Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the beginning was the word. I've devoted much of my life to words because I believe that they're powerful. Words that are put together carefully can do a world of good. Words that are put together in anger can do a world of hurt. Some of you were likely seriously hurt this week by someone's words said in haste. Maybe words that judged you, words that can never be taken back. Others of you heard words so tender and caring that it filled your heart with so much joy you could swear you heard the angels singing. If you hear just the three words, I love you, there's peace on earth for you. But if you hear just the three words, not good enough, the whole world is not good enough. From the beginning, words were meant to be a creative force. And when God first used words, it was to turn darkness to light. Remember how the biblical drama begins as depicted in Genesis? The part just before the one we heard a moment ago. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved across the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Notice that after creation, the darkness continued to be part of our lives. That's because when God created the world, God hung it in the skies where it remained suspended between light and dark. Every day our world turns away from the light back to the dark. And so do we. In a hundred different ways, every day our hearts turn back to the darkness. Eventually we have so much darkness in our hearts that we know more about fear and anger than we do hope and love. And the gospel, according to John, portrays a God who could no longer stand to see her creatures living with so much darkness, especially the darkness of our own making. And God knows the only thing that could save us was a word as powerful as the words he spoke at creation. The word we need is the one that helps us be unafraid of the dark. We need a word that can pierce the darkness with hope, a word about love and forgiveness. We need to hear, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will bring you home again from your lonely journey where you have lost your way. But a word like that cannot just be spoken. We've already heard too many other words by now where people promised to love us, but they weren't there when we most needed them. We've heard words about a promising job, a promising lab report, a promising move to a new place, but it turned out to be just words. And before we knew it, the darkness was back. 
And if we were going to believe God's word, this time it had to become flesh and to live among us. And so as John tells us, God revealed the word on God's very self, named Jesus Christ. And like John, everybody has a gospel. Your gospel is your message. It's what you believe to be true about life. The gospel truth for you can be You've got to work hard to earn your way. You're all alone in life. Family is everything. Health is everything. The gospel truth for you can be that power or money or the job is everything. And you can affirm one gospel and live by another. But when all is said and done, the gospel according to you is what you are really counting on. And it means everything to you. So your gospel has a great deal of power in your life. Your gospel is writing your life's story. Now we're about to begin the four weeks of Advent, which is a time in the church year when we gather together to remember that our gospel story is about God coming to be with us in Jesus Christ. Actually, our claim is that the story of Jesus Christ has overtaken our lives to the point that we have now become a part of his story. So we're no longer trying to write our own narrative for life. Instead, we're now living as a part of his sacred narrative, a narrative that began at the beginning. And this is why our worship services have so many old things in them. Old hymns, old prayers, and a sacred text that is thousands of years old. We're not trying to make worship relevant to you. We are, strange as it seems, trying to make you relevant to Jesus Christ. Our struggles with life and work are all mixed into the life and the work of Jesus. It's why we pray for healing and direction and why we call him Savior. It's why we look for his light in the dark world and throw all our energies into Christ's mission to push aside the darkness. Like the early writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, our lives are spent as an unfolding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first gospel that was written about the life of Jesus was Mark's. And he began his story with John the Baptist who prepared the way. And Matthew started his gospel by telling us about Abraham, in whom the faith journey began. And Luke started his gospel even further back with Adam, in, the, in whom the story of humanity began. But John? John starts his story before time began. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. And what this means is that Jesus Christ was not some afterthought of God. As the early church father Irenaeus claimed, Jesus is not God's plan B. And as the gospel writer John claimed, he has been with God. He has been God from the beginning, and nothing came into being apart from him. And that includes the story of your life. 
When do you think the story of your life begins? With the next chapter? With graduating from school or getting a better job? With getting married or having children or moving to a new home? If you have all of that and are still not happy with the life you have now, you might say, life begins at 50. Or if you're past that, you can say life begins when the kids move out, the dog dies, and you get rid of the big house. Or if you're past that, you can say life begins with retirement. Or life begins with grandchildren. Or life begins when you move to Florida. And you can keep waiting for life to begin until it's over. And it's a sad story told over and over and over. Your life did not begin with the words, I do, or you've got the job, or even you've got a terrible disease. According to the biblical drama, your life began with the words, in the beginning, God. The gospel truth is that your life began not with your own dreams, but with God's dreams. And from the beginning, God has dreamed of being your savior in Jesus Christ. Before you started making decisions or even mistakes, before you even decided you needed a Savior, Jesus Christ has been at work in your life. As the Son was with the Father and the Spirit at creation, shoving aside the darkness to bring light, so has he been at work in your life, bringing creative hope into every dark moment. All things came into being through him, we're told. And without him, not one thing came into being. Not one thing. We sometimes are told that we should be worried about protecting Christmas from the secular world. But the true meaning of Christmas is that there is no longer a dividing wall between sacred and secular. Nothing is outside of the creative drama of Christ and this world. Not your job. Not your relationships and their messiness. Not the disease that's invaded your body. Not Israel or Gaza or inner cities, or the ruralist places of the Upper Peninsula. Not one thing is beyond the reach of the Savior. Christmas is not our little holiday in the midst of a harried, stressed-out life. And if you try to make it that, you will only create more stress for everyone. Christmas, and indeed the season of leading up to it, is one of the most exciting chapters in the great struggle between light and dark. Christmas is the affirmation that the darkness can never overcome the light. Christmas claims that it just doesn't matter how dark it gets. Christ can still be found in this world and in the darkest part of your life. That's what Christ as king really means. And this means that you have a choice to make about how you'll spend the next four weeks. You can use all your time getting ready for a holiday, but... That's just a way of running around in the darkness. Or you can devote this time to turning toward your coming Savior. These weeks will likely be some of the busiest and most hectic of your entire year. And that only means that you'll have to spend even more time in worship and prayer. For those are the ways that we get ready to hear the words that the whole world is dying to hear. I love you. I forgive you. I have for you a future filled with hope. 
Let us pray. Give us the courage, O Savior. Give us the courage to turn away from darkness and sin, to turn toward the light of your forgiving love. Help us to know and to remember that you are our beginning and to trust that you indeed fill our every emptiness with your word of hope. Amen.